This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's August 6th, and we have a whole bunch of big news. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Pete Sampson joins us from The Athletic. The ACC put out the schedules this morning, and we'll run it down real quickly. Uh, Notre Dame opens with Duke in Western Michigan at home. They visit Wake Forest. They have a three-game stretch. It'll be challenging. Florida State at home. Uh, following a bye. There's a bye after the third game. Florida State at home, Louisville at home at Pitt, so you're going to face some good defenses. And then down the stretch, when you have four of five games on the road, it's at Pitt at Georgia Tech. Clemson stays on November 7th at Boston College with an eligible Phil Jerkovic at North Carolina on Black Friday. And uh, at Syracuse, at, or I'm sorry, home against Syracuse. I'd say, guys, from my perspective, and I think it's probably yours too, all things considered, Pretty favorable schedule for Notre Dame. That is more than pretty favorable. I think it's as good as Notre Dame could have asked for. Um, you know, you get – I thought the Clemson game was going to move for sure. Um, I thought the ACC would figure out, all right, how do how do we make sure Clemson's undefeated? Let's move that game up in the schedule. Um, let's make sure Clemson still has a bye week. Nope, they, they kept it at November 7th. And they gave Clemson a, a game before uh, playing Notre Dame. And then – you know, I was like, how many years have we gone through? And it's like sort of a running joke about how many ACC teams have bye weeks before Notre Dame. Well, Florida State and North Carolina do this year, but Notre Dame is also off before Florida State and North Carolina. So there's not, there's not even that little bit of advantage. It's like if, if I didn't know any better, I would have I would have said like oh, the ACC was like, well, how do we how do we get an ACC championship game of Notre Dame Clemson? Because um, this is they did they did a very good job of stacking that in order to save her. Yeah, you make good points on top of the number one point that all Notre Dame fans really wanted was Clemson in a potential cold weather, and they have that. Yeah, Everything else is gravy, and there's a lot of gravy. <laughs> it's, it's tasty gravy. <laughs> I, I really did not think it would be possible that Clemson would stay in that cold weather, set, cold weather setting. Also, I would think they would want to get that game in no matter what. To kind of look at this from a, the uh, you know glass half-empty point of view. It's less likely you play a game in November than one in September, right? Wow. We're going back with math again, with logic and things like that. I mean, it, that's just what the world we live in for this year. It's pretty amazing that, you know, just a few weeks ago that there was speculation more on the outside than us because we knew that ACC would play ball with Notre Dame. But, I mean, to be to be speculating a few weeks ago that, oh, my God, who's Notre Dame going to play? Is, is the ACC going to accommodate Notre Dame? They've accommodated them on every level, including in, in, including them in the ACC championship fight, and now this schedule. So, um, yeah, opening with Duke, uh, they lose the Navy game, um, which is a little bit surprising. But I think that there ultimately were some logistical issues there. We don't we don't know exactly what the ACC communicated in Notre Dame with regard to that. Uh, Pete, who who tweeted? Lewis Nix tweeted out about he's 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 happy for Notre Dame that they're not that not playing Navy and oh he's sad he had a sad emoji so oh come on the mutual respect come to an end um, I I don't I don't think interior off uh, interior defense alignment are sad about Notre Dame yeah. not playing <laughs> I, I mean I, I realize that series had sort of taken on uh, a feeling of obligation at times for Notre Dame rather than actual want to but. It, de- it doesn't feel like a Notre Dame schedule anymore um, without USC and Navy on there. I, I'm, 
I guess I'm sort of disappointed and a little surprised Notre Dame didn't find a way to make Navy work because I think we we'd all sort of received uh, information that they were working on it. Um, and certainly, you know, you just sort of look at the lay of the land with the American Athletic Conference when bye weeks were available. Notre Dame could have made this work. Um, the fact that they didn't, I think, is is pretty. It's just. I just. It's, I, I guess I'm a little confused as to how you can come to the conclusion that Notre Dame didn't make it work. I mean, how do we know that the ACC and maybe the timing of it wasn't right for Navy? Uh, I, I mean, the American Athletic Conference. I think they said that you have four non-conference games available, so I, I'm not sure how that Navy would not be able to make it work. Um, schedule flexibility. I just like no. Notre Dame could have gotten, in my opinion, Navy to come to South Bend with, you know, some reassurances on the other side of that. Yeah. Um, and that's a Tim and I, when you weren't with us last week, but Tim and I talked about that fairly extensively that you, when you consider the depth of a relationship between Notre Dame and the Naval Academy. If Notre Dame really, really wanted to make it work, I feel like they could have, Um, you know, and maybe it was just a bridge too far for them to cross, but Considering, you know, the historical significance of that series going back to 1927, the guide country Notre Dame, you know, everything that Notre Dame and Navy advertised about sort of the, the mutual respect there. I'm, I'm surprised yeah. that they weren't able to make it work. Um, Navy had a couple. Yeah, I mean, to, to Pete and to both of your points, I mean, I think the ACC probably didn't give Notre Dame a lot of outs, but I know they had enough outs in that early September. And Notre Dame is playing. It's not like they have a bye, but... BC, um, excuse me, Navy was available to play them the 12th and 19th, and Navy is now scrambling for an opponent. One of them, and, and just reading uh, Bill Wagner's Capital Gazette article, this is where this is coming from, and he does a great job covering Navy. They're kind of scrambling for an opponent. It'll be BYU, it looks like, because BYU has an open date, and that just becomes one of the most All natural right. things. But maybe Notre Dame said as a request, we'd like to play Navy. Can we play them this week? And ACC was just like, you're, you're screwing up about nine other team schedules. Yeah, that, that, no, you know that, that, that happens too. It, certainly, these are questions that we can that that we can ask Jack Swarbrick and, right, and right. the Naval Academy about. about. Um, some other things: Wake Forest week, thir- not yeah, week three, third game of the year will still be in Charlotte, still be in the uh, professional stadium, which is a little bit of a surprise, right? Yeah, I, I don't quite get that one. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what the benefit is of playing there when you're ha- when. At most, you would have 20% of fans, and we'll see. I mean, let's wait and see just really how many fans uh, end yeah. up at, at the venue. And just as an example, as a, as a former Indy 500 longtime uh, uh, fan going to that, it opened at 50% of the fans would be there, then 25%, and now they've eliminated them completely. So I, I just don't understand what the benefit is of of playing in a professional stadium if you're only going to have – one fifth of the fans at the you most. Get comfortable for the ACC championship game. Right. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I mean, that's I, Notre Dame's I, Yeah. Yeah. A little, <laughs> little, strange, little test uh, run for them. Yeah. Just uh, see how it works. It's like, oh, okay. So that's where the locker rooms are. Great. We're ready for December. <laughs> and then the, the, when 50 to 37, like they always do against Wake, he'll come out and say, oh, that was easy. This is going to be fun in the ACC championship game. Oh. <laughs> You know, and then to your point, Pete, about Clemson not having a bye before Notre Dame, uh, who do they? I, I don't have it right in front of me. Who who do they who do they play? Uh, so Clemson's they're, they're, it's 
BC is right before Notre Dame. Okay. And then, but Notre Dame's on the road, but it's Georgia Tech, which is I mean, right. truly one of the worst teams in the, in the ACC. Yeah, and Clemson has six straight games um, with Notre Dame being the sixth in that series. And I, I realize it's Virginia, Miami, at Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Boston College before you go to Notre Dame. It's not yeah. – three games are pretty weak. But still, um, you know, those are games where you can get injured or tired or worn out, I suppose. Um, it just – I thought the ACC would have greased the wheels for Clemson more than they did. I wrote a story yesterday about, I mean, Jeff Quinn's offensive line is really going to be tested here because in in Pittsburgh and Clemson and Florida State, if you look at Phil Steele's preseason magazine, that's three of the top four defensive lines in the country. So there's no place to hide for those defensive lines as well because they're going to be facing a, a very good Notre Dame offensive line. But we've seen – you know, in recent years, the two Georgia games, Pittsburgh game from 2018 and Michigan last year, Notre Dame's offensive line has not been up to the challenge. And so they've got three huge challenges there, two of them within a three-week span. And I, But I think one of the, the real sort of great parts about the schedule for Notre Dame is like to start with Duke, Wake, I'm sorry, Duke, Western, Wake, and then have an off week before you get into the Florida State, Pittsburgh. I mean, you that's another thing you just couldn't ask for anything more if you're Notre Dame. Your, your program with one who had one spring practice, a new offensive coordinator, um, you know, offensive line that has to be great. They have a few games to sort of get it together there. Um, you know, and Wake Forest has, you know, one of the freakier players in college football this year with Basham uh, on the defensive line. So it's it's not they even get tested a little bit there. So it's it's I, I just love the buildup for Notre Dame. Uh, if I was Brian Kelly, because you, you really get to sort of grow into the season before it gets tough in October. Even the odd break of not playing Navy in between Duke and Wake and having to change, <laughs> switch gears and prepare for Navy in the middle of a season as opposed to Western Michigan, which you just run everything and go yeah. play. You go play we football sa- against Western Michigan. It's- we sound like a podcast from about like 10 other, 10 ACC sites that are going to be complaining about, look at Notre Dame's schedule. Look how easy it is. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do you allow them in a championship game, but then you give them this schedule. But it, I mean, any way you look at it, they, at first glance, it's like, and then second glance, it's like, holy crap, this is this is really good for Notre Dame. So it's an opportunity for them. You know whose fault that is? All those people complaining the ACC, the fact that they don't recruit better players like other conferences do to play against Notre Dame because it's Clemson and Notre Dame, and then all these little scrappy teams out there because Florida State's down and Notre Dame doesn't play Miami, so. Look, North Carolina is a good team, but Notre Dame can't beat North Carolina. They don't deserve to be in a conversation for a playoff race, right? No, it's true. And North Carolina is really their offense is that. I mean, they've got an NFL, a future NFL level quarterback. They've got 2,000 yard receivers. They've got a 1,000 yard rusher and a 900 yard rusher and four starters back on the O line. They are 2009 Notre Dame with a better coaching staff. Well, I saw that and I, 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 I don't agree with that. Why don't you agree with that? With Notre Dame having Manti Teo and Brian Smith, and because they have a because they have a they have an excellent defensive coordinator that shaved off eleven points per game. Yeah, from the that's that's year. the better coaching staff. North Carolina oh, okay. has the better coaching okay. staff. Okay, yeah. okay, I got you. I'm saying North Carolina has the better coaching staff, and they have all those crazy talents where you look back at Notre Dame and say, "Wait a minute, Al Rudolph, Michael Floyd, Golden Tate, Jimmy Clausen." I got you. All went six and six. You know those and. There's a lot of pros on that defense. That so what's North, Car- what's North Carolina go this year? I mean, is that nine ten nine win team? Uh, we gotta we gotta adjust because there's one adjust. Game, it's hard so, to say. Yeah. It's, a, it's a how many loss team? Yeah, I, I mean, keep. I think, yeah, I keep. Still uh, three. 
I keep like thinking and writing stats about what a team's going to do this year. And you're going to, you, right. you'll have to adjust because Everything's there is one lost. less game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it'll be a little bit different. And for some teams that won't make a bowl, then it'll be, you know, two less games than, than some of the other teams. That's a good future podcast. We could figure out the uh, over-unders for good teams in the ACC. Cause that's a huge jump for North Carolina. If they're better than, if they only have two losses, I mean, they lost. They lost six games. You know? Yeah, it's, to, it's, yeah, it's, it's to improve, right, five games, what, they improved five games last year and then right. another incremental jump like that. Anyway, before we finish this segment, let's talk about Kevin Austin, which we had gotten a hint of uh, late last week and then couldn't really validate it bef- before Norton beat us to the punch and went ahead and put out, a, put out the information that he had surgery, fractured right foot, uh, had surgery on August 3rd, which was Monday. Uh, and it sounds like it's going to take some time, but again, the schedule, the schedule plays so well for Notre Dame that, I mean, they can probably, they can probably beat Duke, Western Michigan and Wake Forest without Kevin Austin. And by the time they play Florida state, it will have been 10 weeks since he had surgery. So he should be providing no setbacks. Uh, Notre Dame's projected number one receiver should be ready to go at the, when Notre Dame reaches the heart of their schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's his, so it's his left foot um, that he broke, the fifth metatarsal. And, I mean, I, I was told six to eight week recovery time, which, you know, like you said, you should be in lineup against Florida State with some time to sort of have an on-ramp there. Um, that's – couldn't ask for a much better situation than that if you're Notre Dame. Yeah, the, what I was told by a few uh, – orthopedic surgeons was that six weeks for an athlete is what they do now um, because they have the best care. Um, And he'll be back because he'll have great care. And then the real concern is the fact this is a, uh, this is a recurring injury. So he'll be back in time, ready to contribute. And then you hope next spring it doesn't recur. There's a couple um, just talking to a a parent of an Notre Dame player that's had this break four times now. Um, the surgery is important. The cleanup is important, but guys, not wide receivers, but guys in the NFL play with this too. Like mm. you come back from six weeks, it still hurts. You play football. It's not like, you know, it, but it's a, uh, it's a stress. It's an area of high stress and high impact. So it's a, it's a rebreak situation for a lot of guys. Right. And it's also, it also, there's like a lingering effect to it. When you, you, the next time you work out, you're very sore the next day. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and, uh, it, and that happens continuously. Tom Noy pointed out um, from the South Bend Tribune and ND Insider that this is what Bonzi Colson had. He got back in time, if you recall, played tremendously uh, down the or in the ACC tournament and then broke it. Broke it again. Because yeah. he, he came back quickly. So that's the concern. But as you guys pointed out, there's, there's some built-in time all of a sudden. Yeah, there really is. Yeah. Well, and this is uh, – yeah. Ben Skoranek from Northwestern becomes much more important. Javon McKinley returning for a fifth year becomes much more important. Yes. I put Skoranek down for 60 catches if they play a season. Adjusted for 10 games, right? Yeah. (laughs) I think he's going to have a dynamite year. I mean, he he could have 20 catches after the first three games. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's uh, he's a a big target. He's strong. We saw one practice of him, and I – I like the way he kind of carves out space in his routes. Um, yeah, he's an easy go-to guy. Now, he's not going to be the downfield threat that Austin was slash is, uh, even McKinley to a, to a large extent. He's not going to, you know, he's probably not going to break as many tackles as we saw McKinley do in, against lesser opponents, but we saw him do it last year against New Mexico and, and Bowling Green. But, um, 
you know, it, but it, look, it, it, it cuts into the star power of your wide receiver positions. And we have a question in the second segment about what we think our depth chart is. It cuts into the star power of the Notre Dame receiver positions. But still, I mean, uh, when, you, when you add everything up and the recovery time and the, the, the cushion that it appears you have in September, it, it should work out pretty well for Notre Dame and, and Kevin Austin. It could work out well really for Kevin Austin and Notre Dame as the season progresses, because as you guys have pointed out, maybe now Ben Skoranek is a legitimate, really efficient number two wide receiver as Kevin Austin rounds into shape in November. And you have Braden Lindsay coming on. Like you, you, you kind of created another reliable week to week player, assuming Kevin Austin can make it back and be what we think he would be. You know, it, it's just more opportunity for other players. You, it, it's not good news, but I'm saying no, down the no, road. No, it can no. work and out. I, I don't mean to portray yeah. it like that either, but yeah. it, it also emphasizes that Braden Lindsay has to stay healthy and he's had concussion issues and, and some other issues that kept him off the field. So uh, there, there, you know, there isn't a tremendous mar- margin for error with Notre Dame's receivers. Although I do think a guy like Jordan Johnson bumps up now uh, a little bit more, maybe Xavier Watts. Oh, yeah. Right. So you're in the varsity. You're right. You've added a varsity player. For exactly. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Last thing I want to address here, um, heading into Friday in the weekend, it appears that Notre Dame is about to add a couple more players to their uh, recruiting class of 2021. I don't believe in jinxes, so I'm going to say that you know Notre Dame is going to get Rocco Spindler, and they are going to get Prince Colley probably. Uh, Prince Colley could could spill into early next week, but. They're going to add a, a linebacker to satisfy a lot of people that haven't been happy with Clark Lee's approach to recruiting linebackers, although he does have a lot of eligibility with his younger players there. And then Rocco Spindler, um, you know, I think I've seen some people say, you know, it can't be a must get. And I know people don't like that expression, but it can't be a must get if he's an offensive guard. Well, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't believe that. I think offensive guards, Maybe they don't make as much money as the tackles in the NFL, but offensive guards are important too. And I think Rocco Spindler is a great one. I think, I mean, these are two incredibly significant gets for Notre Dame if it plays out the way that most people expect. Um, yeah, it's, they, they didn't sign much at linebacker the last couple cycles. So they needed somebody who fits the rover. Um, I don't think he's as bouncy as Jeremiah Usu Koromoa, but he's got some pretty physical gifts and he doesn't look like a lot of teenagers uh, who play high school football the way he's cut up. So I give Clark Lee a ton of credit. I was talking to somebody around Notre Dame yesterday and he was basically, that was what maybe not 100% Clark Lee in terms of a recruitment, but it was close. Um, Whereas the Rocco Spindler one was split pretty uh, evenly among Jeff Quinn Tommy Reese, Brian Kelly, Brian Polian, um, they sort of quadruple teamed him and felt like that had turned maybe four, six weeks ago in their favor. So I don't, if they get both of these guys, it's, you know, the class is probably not going to end up any higher rank than it was last year, um, where it was sort of around 15th. Um, I think we'll do a pretty good job hitting their needs, but um it, uh, considering the circumstances they're recruiting under, I think Notre Dame would sit there and say, like, we'll take it. Uh, this this is a good haul under current circumstances. Like Tim and I discussed last week, Rocco Spindler's a must-get. That's not a good thing. It's because you missed out on some other guys. But he's a must-get that's also potentially a great player, as Tiss said. It's, 
You do need those guys. You need many guys. And Pete, this is Pete's point every time we talk about recruiting. You don't get Will Shipley, but you'll have to get somebody else. You're supposed to get both. So now Rocco Spindler and Blake Fisher are together. If, if Rocco Spindler comes to Notre Dame, you, you're supposed to get more than one good guy, and they need to get Rocco Spindler. Yeah, and I think, I think Fisher ends up a guard, and, man, that is a dynamic yeah. duo of guards. Right. That's, an, that's an incredible <laughs> duo of guards. You know, Collie's a little bit undersized, but, you know, I agree with you, Pete. I think Rover is his spot. I think he's, I think he's a pretty explosive football player. He's not, he's, he's, he's not that big, and I don't know how big he's going to get, but he's still an explosive football player. Frankly, at the Rover position, you know, it's, you don't have to be that big. It's kind of, you know, linebacker slash strong safety type position. So that'll work. Um, I think that'll work just fine. I think I mentioned last week, somebody asked, well, you know, why, why is he considering Louisville? Well, if you look at Louisville's linebackers, they've got three of the four starters, one's 5'11", one's six foot, one's six, six foot one. So they had the blueprint of, to show him, Hey, look, you don't have to be that big to, to be successful. But I think for Notre Dame, he works and fits very well at, at the rover position. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. First question from Jim underscore Booney underscore CRS. And it is a, a popular one at this time of year. Have you heard of any players that are in terrific shape through workouts? How about not in shape? We continue to hear great things about Chris Tyree, uh, about how he's impressed the coaching staff. And, and I, there's no doubt he's immediately in the mix uh, at running back with, of course, Jafar Armstrong, a healthy Jafar Armstrong's at the front of the pack there as well uh, and have heard some good things about Jafar Armstrong defensive side of the ball uh, Jordan Jen Markeith is in the best shape of his life he's not he's not necessarily the fastest buck linebacker they have or the biggest but I, he's certainly going to press for that starting job I think Ade, Ade Ogundeji has you know this is his time to shine he shined last year coming off the bench but it's his time to shine and it sounds like he uh you know, is putting himself in a position. If you look at some of the lists for the top defensive ends in the country, his name pops up there in the top 10. And then no surprise, Owusu Koromoa um, has impressed as well. So those are some of the guys I, you know, nobody's, nobody has told us about guys that aren't in great shape, but considering the circumstances of the spring, or I should say no spring, you know, they're not, they're all going to be behind somewhat from where they are. And we, we, we talked about some leg issues with, with, with some of the linemen, but I think that's pretty typical when they first get back and really start pushing it. Matt Bayless is going to push them and it's going to be the most challenging for the bigger guys, the, the linemen. But th- those are some of the guys that we've gotten a little bit of feedback on. Yeah. It's uh, Quinn Carroll, Dalen Haynes were a couple of guys that were mentioned to me as in, really good shape and Jordan Jen Markeith was somebody that uh, Clark Lee had mentioned to me I don't know in March um, wait yeah it was back it was after winter conditioning yeah like phenomenal shape like Tim you said best shape of his life um so that's it's encouraging you you need 
you need legit candidates for that position. He definitely will be one of them. You need a veteran candidate at that position too. I know everybody, you know, I think Jack Lamb is the one we've talked about a long time, but at this point last year and after game number one, it would have been ridiculous for us to say that Asmar Bilal is going to be the breakout player because of what we had seen his entire career. Well, let's give Clark Lee a little credit. If he thinks Jordan Demarkeith has made that much of a rise, he once thought of that about Asmar Bilal and Tavon Coney as well. He knows the position. We all love the guys that look like they're going to be great someday, like Luafau and Lamb. But exactly, this is the way this is the way it works, man. With good coaching, is you, these guys develop. It's the shiny new toys, and I get that. I mean, people want you know who are the young guys that are impressing, but I think it's always in the it's in the best interest of any football program when a veteran steps forward. And Jordan Jamar Keith, unfortunately for him, is in his final year of eligibility. Yeah, but he has an opportunity. Now that'll be a position that he would probably share because you know they're going to get a healthy Jack Lamb on the field and probably a healthy Maris Leofau on the field, you know, situationally. But always good to have the upperclassmen to emerge. Hey, Tim, just to put a point on this, you mentioned something about Clemson when we were offline, I believe, how much they rotate their defense. There's nothing wrong with having two or three good bucks playing. Bilal doesn't have – you don't have to take 680 snaps, right, at Buck linebacker. Yeah, my comment about Clemson was go to their stat sheet from last year, and it's incredible. And they they keep stats differently. They keep – they give you the list of of snaps that they Mm -hmm. took. And and look at their defense in particular. Brett Venables does a great job of – you know, they're – they're hammering people a lot of times, and it gives them an opportunity to play a lot of guys, and he takes advantage of it. Question from IC Gold. Any updates relative to Notre Dame getting to the 85 scholarship limit? I have to imagine the medicals and or transfers will be announced soon. This is a this is a trickier situation from Notre Dame, trickier than Brian Kelly's ever been in. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know where they're going to go with that. I don't either. We've sort of mentioned it at nauseum. I think, O'Malley, you had a story up on this. Just, you know, uh, how do you get to, to 85? You got the big ASF, Colin Brunhard, one-year scholarship walk-on. I don't know how that is going to happen. So, so, yeah, I wish that I could say, like, oh, I have some insight. I like the players are going to leave. I, I really don't. I'm not sure where they go with this. No, this you mentioned unique, and there's nothing that bothers me more than the uh, phrase very unique, because if it's unique by nature, you don't need the very. Uh, it's so unique that uh, it, Notre Dame, Pete, I don't know if you saw in that story today. This is the first class of rising sophomores, so Kyle Hamilton's class, of the millennium that hasn't yet lost a player by this time, rising sophomore class. You know uh-huh. why? Spring and summer. Spring makes people realize, like Luke Jones at one point, I don't like my lot in life right now. Like Justin Ferguson, like all these players for – 20 straight off seasons have a, a sophomore has either gone on a medical like Brad Carrico, or I just, I had to research this. So I know these guys or transferred like Devonte Neal and Justin Ferguson. It is just something that happens. And without spring, a lot of people just did not see their lot in life on the depth chart and are, did not search for greener pastures. And it's, it's unique. I, I don't know if, uh, you know, when you give Mick Asaf and Colin Grudhard that scholarship, Maybe at some point later on, you would say, hey, it is a one-semester one scholarship. But I, Byron Kelly never once thought he was going to have to worry about it. So why would you even say that? Well, isn't Asaph a fifth-year guy? He is. I mean, you can't, well, you, how, well, you can't come back. You can't, he can't come back for a fifth year and then you pull it from him. No, I, I mean, it, right? it's, you, can't, yeah, you can't do that. Cole Mabry, is, yeah. Cole Mabry is the guy. Yeah, Cole Mabry is the guy that's had the neck problems and, and we're expecting that 
you know, he's a, he's a candidate for this, but you know, Isaiah Robertson, what, what's the situation with him? I'm not exactly sure. Um, and you bring him up because he missed a practice that we saw and Brian Kelly said he is still with us. He's working through some things. Yeah. But I would think that he would be a candidate, you know, JD Bertrand was a guy that there was some question as to whether he would be on scholarship last year. He was placed on scholarship last year. You know, I wonder if they exercise that opportunity this year. I, I don't know. I'm just, we're just, I don't want to paint anybody into a corner, uh, but we're just throwing out it, names. It's as fair to say Robertson because he could graduate. I think the only reason it's fair to bring up Isaiah Robertson is he enrolled early so he can graduate. Um, he should have, I was trying to do the math. He sh- you know, if he had the normal schedule, he would be able to graduate in the fall without a problem just being a normal student. You wonder and if he would have two is... seasons of eligibility. Right, right, right. Do you that's, know that's a win win? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know he's in a position to graduate or you're just doing it? No, I'm saying his... I did the math with his early enrollment. I did the math if you okay. just okay. are going by the basic, not, I'm not accelerated program at all, just excel, just regular math. And he's a guy that since he missed last year with injury, um, he would have two years of like this is this happened to DJ Morgan and Devin Studd still they graduated yeah and they had time right. to play it's a win you know, kind we've of. all you know Notre Dame's always taken great pride in when they offer a kid a scholarship as a freshman that scholarship's good through graduation but you wonder if under the circumstances and Tim you know the exact numbers I don't know what the exact numbers are until you'll tell us here after I stop but you know, you wonder if this is a situation where some of the guys that are really at the bottom of the, the list that probably aren't going to be major contributors to Notre Dame, um, you know, do you, I mean, do you, have to, do you have to pull a scholarship or two, even though you don't want to do that? Notre Dame's always prided itself, but you might, you just might have to do that. I think there's tough conversations with medical possibilities that are maybe would want to keep trying for another year too, right? Yeah, there's got to be other guys out there. I mean, there always are. There's always guys that have injuries that are going to prevent them from playing. But, but we well, I, I really – this is not a situation. It's not a situation. That Brian Kelly's ever had to really face before. Uh, no, it, re- no it, it, it really isn't. It, it, it really isn't. And, and I don't – you know, I – you know, Hunter Spears had injuries, but I think he's overcome those. Pete, what's your perspective on oh, this? I was just going to say, like, you, you took Trevor Bates, <laughs> who had a litany of injuries at Stanford. That I just I, – I, I'll be curious to see how this gets managed in the end. And uh, there are coaches that will always tell you, we know no, more than you do. And, of course, sure. they do. That's their job. But um, this isn't just, like, one or two scholarships. Five. Um, it's a big difference. Well, so Mabry will be one, and and let's say Robertson is is two. So now you're down to three. And I don't, you know, I always hesitate throwing out names of guys that I don't think are going to contribute at the bottom of the list. But you know, I don't, I don't. As of right now, I've I've heard no indication, no indication that Lich, Litchfield Ajavon is a guy that is ever going to play a major role for Notre Dame at safety. I so. think it's hard to see it coming from a younger class. I think the guys that can graduate is, is kind of how I, okay. you know, that, well. that's the only reason I bring up Robertson is nothing against Robertson. I thought I was, when I say Robertson coming in, it's just, he has played two years, sat out a year, was hurt 
and can graduate early and be at Notre Dame um, and then play football for two years under a non-COVID condition. It's like not the end of the world for a guy in that spot. Um, of course, that's me speaking for a guy that may want to do none of that. He may want to play his last year at Notre Dame. You know, right, that, that's right. we. He is a senior that might really want to play at Notre Dame this year. Maybe he's in great shape and can contribute on special teams. I'm not sure. You know, we always kind of say, "Ah, oh, they'll figure it out. They'll yeah. work it out." But because the circumstances are so unique this year, and they didn't have spring practice where you could, you know, where another injury might crop up or you could yeah. weed out a little bit. I, I don't know where they go here. So. It'll be interesting to find out. Dip 98, what's the plan for football player housing once school starts? Can players still move off campus in order to avoid the, quote, Chris Tyree is stuck in quarantine because someone in his dorm, on his dorm floor tested positive, unquote, situation? Will the players stay in the Morse Inn all year? I believe they're moving into their dorms like everybody else because they're they're – just like regular students. And even though it would be better for everybody if they weren't right now. Yeah. I think that's a a mistake, man. I mean, I know it's easy for us to sit back and say that, but I think that's a mistake. They taught, I know that there was some discussion at one point about, is there a, I don't know if I mentioned this on podcast. I probably did. Is there a smaller hotel that they can rent out for three months and, you know, and, and put them there. But how in the world do you, after everything that you've done with protocol and quarantine, you know, it's not like a cumulative effect, like, okay, we've done this well for five weeks, so that's going to make it better in weeks six, seven, and eight. It doesn't have anything to do with that. There's a lot of layers to this. Um, first of which, Chris Tyree is stuck on campus because freshmen aren't getting off campus. They're, the freshmen must live in their dorm. And by say, when I say the freshmen, it's because sophomores and juniors now, since 2018, if you want to Google Trapped on Campus by ND Scholastic, in 2018, they passed a rule that for three years you must live on campus. Now, the second layer to that is sophomore and junior football players have not been living on campus for at least 30 years because they have a residence, an address on campus, and they live with friends off campus. And that's exactly what the sophomores and juniors will do in droves this year is have their address in their dorm and not be there. I don't want to put any of former uh, classmates on blast, but one very good NFL tight end I saw once or twice over the course of a semester with his name right next to my friends. He was not there. Um, just talking to some players, parents, like he kind of gave me the, what are you talking about? Those guys are going to live with their buddies off campus, but freshmen, I don't think they can pull that off for freshmen. Right. Well, the Morrisons, that's not an option. That's, I mean, that's where they were, you know, the last month or so, but that's, that's, that's not an option. And I, so again, wait, <laughs> Two questions in a row. We do not have an answer for that. I mean, it's just not. How is that going to work? You go into the. It's. It's. I don't see how that's going to work. Going back yeah. into the dorms. It's almost like you're bending over backwards not to have a athlete or a football an athlete dorm doesn't make sense a football player dorm this fall, when in reality it would be better for everybody involved if you had that football it's, player. It's dorm. you know no surprise. I mean, it's my understanding that Brian Kelly. This was what you know, Brian Kelly wanted and, and understandably so. Yes. Um, I don't know where they go. I don't know where they go with this. Not Jay Tafel one predict the two deep at wide receiver, tight end quarterback and running back in the first game, assuming everyone performs as you expect during camp. Quarterback book and Clark running back Armstrong and Tyree tight end right and Trumbull or Trumbull and right. 
And then the, the receiver positions, I'd say at the W would be Skoranek and McKinley. At the X would be Lindsey and I'll say Jordan Johnson. That's what I wrote down too. And then at the Z would be Keys and Avery Davis. Sounds right to me. I agree. It does to me too. I'm just going to uh, throw in for the heck of it. We'll throw Xavier Watt in there as a rotating Z. Yeah. No, I just think, because I think, it sounds better on a podcast where people want to hear about freshmen, so I decided. Yeah, to well, and that was a guy that I would, you know, I thought I thought he was really, really going to benefit from the spring, and then obviously didn't have an opportunity. Wash ND asks, "Will Phil Jacobic approve? With Phil Jacobic approved to play, does the Boston College game now turn into must see TV? The storyline pretty much writes itself. I mean, but Notre Dame playing Boston College the week after hosting the number one team in the country in November, I seems. I don't know what would go wrong with that. I saw your tweet. <laughs> Pete, Pete, did you hear that last week on our podcast? <laughs> when you're no. Actually came in? no, one of the last questions was, how do I mentally prepare myself for losing to Boston College and Phil Dracovic whenever you beat Clemson? And then it came to be a schedule. <laughs> like, he actually hit the nail on the head. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's, well, uh... and, and he will have – he'll have eight games. Well, first of all, he's got to beat out Dennis Grossell, who only completed 48.4% of his passes last year. But, you know, I – He's still got to beat Al Grossell. I mean, I think the new coaching he, staff helps there, don't you? I mean, uh, there's no a fresh start for him yeah. and clear his head. There's no doubt. So he'll have there are eight games before they play Notre Dame. Eight games for both teams before they play each other. So he'll he'll have an opportunity. I still like Notre Dame's chances very very much. But good Pete makes a good point. <laughs> a, a direct a direct answer to this question though consider this actual situation Notre Dame you've never seen it before cuz it's it's got to be a modern era thing some semblance of bad blood with the backup quarterback leaves Notre Dame goes to their little brother rival gets to play them 7 months later not 3 years later against the exact same coaching staff and quarterback that beat you out in the social media age Yes, it's must-see TV. It's incredible that it has happened this way. It's like Zach Frazier, but with Twitter being around. Yeah, yeah. and with people caring that Zach Frazier was there, was, there was like, oh, Zach Frazier. <laughs> I don't think there was bad blood with, between Zach Frazier and Jimmy, right? Uh, well, there should have been, because one was better than the other by yeah. epic proportion. But then again, wasn't, one wasn't, there the ba- wasn't there bad blood between everybody and Jimmy Clausen? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. No wonder Pete hesitated. I, I spoke. I misspoke on that one. <laughs> yeah, and I think the big difference um, is that that Connecticut to that Connecticut versus Notre Dame matchup. Right. Just, you know, Notre Dame was bad, and they're good now. So it, it should not turn out. Uh, should not turn out that way. The real Bob Nas. Other than Clemson, which game for Notre Dame has the most potential for a Michigan-like debacle? I, I don't think any game has a it has the potential for a Michigan-like debacle. But if it were to happen in any game, it would probably be at Pittsburgh or at North Carolina. I, I'll go home to Clemson. Other than Clemson, oh, are we going? He said yeah. other than he said other than Clemson. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Then it's hard to pick one out. I mean, there's it nothing. Is. There's nothing on that schedule. I mean, if they're not going to go down to North Carolina and get. No, that's no, that's why I say yeah. there there is yeah. no game like that. That's not that's not going to happen. They could lose to Pittsburgh or North Carolina, but they're not going to lose by by four touchdowns and get hammered. No, I understand the question because you know recent history has one in seventeen, the end of eighteen and nineteen, obviously, but it doesn't have to happen. I mean, there's just not a. I, Pete, I don't know if, how you feel about the road game thing. Like uh, Tim and I were talking offline. 
I mean, it's harder to go on the road and play and travel and stuff, but Ian Book cares if they're playing Friday night with 10,000 North Carolina fans in the stands. Like, that, what's that doing to his cadence and Liam Eikenberg and Tommy Kramer? They don't care. That's not no. – if Trevor Lawrence has 7,000 Notre Dame students screaming at him, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just something, a different situation now. It's, it's, yeah. it's something I've thought about as I've been watching Major League Baseball, and, you know, you're seeing a lot of – a lot of young pitchers are running out there on the mound and when they're playing at Wrigley field, it's a hell of a lot easier with an empty, with an empty Wrigley field. I mean, think about that. Yes. It, it, I mean, it reduces, it reduces the stress and the, and the pressure for an athlete immeasurably. How many false starts would Notre Dame have had at Georgia last year with 70,000 fewer people? <laughs> yeah, that's a great, I mean, that just, that, Liam Eikenberg is is digging the yeah, <laughs> yeah this is, digging the no crowd. These new rules. <laughs> Although he was saying the the opponent was wasn't he saying that the opponent was making some noise and yelling and yeah. trying to get him to jump. I imagine that could still happen, but again, without yeah. fans, it's 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 not going to happen to that extent. Matt's Rogers, are you hearing anything regarding Notre Dame football players opting out to prepare for the NFL draft? You think that will change if the season gets pushed back to the spring? Are you hearing anything about Clemson players opting out? I have not heard anything about Notre Dame players opting out to prepare for the draft. I mean, and now you have to add opting out because you're just concerned about your health or the health of your family. Um, you're starting to see players do that as well. So, But at, at this point, I haven't heard anything on Notre Dame players doing the same thing. I wouldn't expect it. Uh this fall from many Notre Dame players. And then the spring is a whole new ball game. I mean, the spring, you have to start considering many prospects for your, yeah, that, that, and that, it, that changes everything. I, you know, the three guys that have opted out Farley from uh, Virginia tech Bateman from Minnesota and Parsons from uh, Penn state. I mean, those are first round draft choices and I, and I'm not, you know, who had no, who on the Notre Dame team is a, if Kyle Hamilton was a junior, he'd be projected as a first round draft choice, but who on Notre Dame, you know, it behooves them to play. They need to play. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I guess Eichenberg and, and Owusu Koromo would, would probably be at the top of the list, but those two guys still need to play to prove themselves. Yeah. I'd be so concerned just like if for a health opt out. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Clemson, I mean, I think Clemson's players have kind of spoken by coming back. Travis ATN has decided to return. He, he clearly wants to play football for Clemson a little bit more, right? And here's yeah. he, he's going to do it, and he's going to do a good job. But I don't see Trevor Lawrence changing a legacy at Clemson by deciding in August I'm opting out of the junior no. season either. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. I, and spring, I, of course, he should. I mean, spring, someone should tell him do not play if it's in the spring just for his own health and first-round draft pick status. I mean, and I don't – even their status. defensive line, which, you know, I, I, I think the best defensive lineman is Tyler Davis – and he's a sophomore, so he's not in position to. And again, you guys mentioned health. That you know that yeah. could that, that could, change, that's that, a totally different situation. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Rutgers thirty-three hot. If Notre Dame closes with Prince Kali, Rocco Spindler, Jaden Thomas, and Titus Mokeo Atamalala, how would you feel about the class overall? There's been criticism about a lack of pass rush in this class. Was that a big need? I'd, get, I'd probably rate it as a B. B minus overall, but an A in terms of like, this is the world we're living in with no visits uh, and sort of making the best of a bad situation. 
Well, I, I would certainly feel good about the players that were mentioned if they if they finish with those five. I I, I like TMA at, at at safety. He's got the flexibility to play receiver. I think he's a better safety than a receiver, whereas I think Styles is a better cornerback than a receiver. Um, Spindler, I think, is great. Kali fits the need of linebacker. Jaden Thomas, I think, is a is a really good number two. I think Jaden Thomas is a he's a good athlete without great speed. Which, which seems mm-hmm. kind of contradictory, but I don't, I don't think it is in his case. Um, you that know, only matter in five years. That yeah. only matters five years down the line of the combine. He can be right, a great right, college player. Right. <laughs> he, can, he can be, he can be a very, you know, he's another guy that's got size and can carve out a little bit size and strength and can carve out a little bit of space as a receiver. But as far as do they need a pass rusher? You always need pass rushers and not knowing what's going to happen with Abiari. Um, you know, you look at guys and really the, 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 after this year, the pass rushers on the team will be, um, a Gofu, Foskey, Botello. And then really after that, I mean, I, I, you know, the, the guys on the strong side, I don't know that Justin Adamiola or Aaronsberger or Safo Mensa are, you know, really quality college pass, pass rushers. rushers. Right. Oh, you could be a good defensive lineman without being a good pass right. rusher. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's, th- I, th- I think, uh, I think Agufo and, and uh, Agofu and Foskey and Botello are, have a chance to be really, really good pass rushers, but you need to continue to add to that every year. What do you think about a guy? I know Pete, you, you went to see him um, in a couple years from the three technique position, like Riley Mills being a good pass rusher. Cause that's a thing in college ball. That's a big deal too. Yeah. He's totally built for that. And he's the, He's not Jerry Tillery, but like he's really long and tall and knows how to use it. So I, I, I think Notre Dame will have a pass rushing three technique on its hands there, and and, and Gabriel Rubio might be one as well. So it's um, I, you know they don't have they really needed probably another Botello in this class, assuming Aviara is maybe not part of the group. Mm-hmm. But um, it's I think under those current circumstances, if they end with the guys you just mentioned, I. I think Brian Kelly would be like, sold, I'll take it. I mean, that's that's a good good group. Totally off topic, but but since we're talking about pass rushers and we were talking about Spindler, I think Spindler has a chance to be – I mean, I'm totally off topic here, but I think Spindler has a chance to be in addition to being a, obviously a very good run blocker. He can be a great pass blocker at guard, a great pass blocker at guard. The Friedert. Your thoughts on the commitments of 2022 offensive tackle Joey Tonona and tight end Jack Nickel? Not sure I have a lot of thoughts on a 2022 offensive lineman just yet. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like you should get him every time. I mean, he's a, he's a four-star kid from in-state. Um, that should be a lock. You know, I think Jack Nickel's a, a good athlete. Um, he's not – Tyler Eifert, in terms of athleticism, I realize Eifert was a three-star. He's not Kyle Rudolph. Uh, I'm not sure if I see the the sort of freaky build that uh, Notre Dame seems to sign at tight end a lot. But you know, it's, those are those are two good guys. I, I often use the term like low-hanging fruit recruiting. Uh, I don't mean that to be derogatory towards these two guys, but these are Notre Dame leans from the get-go, and they did a good job recruiting them. These are these are guys you should get every year, and they did so. 
that's a, it's a good start, I guess is probably the best way to describe it. Tim, I don't know if you had a chance to, to see these 2022 guys. I have, but I have more to say about Sonona because after doing a depth chart impact article in case they um, do receive a commitment from Rocco Spindler, I can officially tell you that his first chance to start will be as a redshirt sophomore true junior in 2024 when Brian Kelly and I are sipping Mai Tais on a beach and stuff like that. So it's really hard to project up. Look, they, they, they recruit well, unless you're elite, elite Rocco Spindler, maybe Blake Fisher, you're not starting at Notre Dame other than after your redshirt freshman season. Are you retiring in 2024? Cause I was kind yeah. of counting on you then. No, I was, but I'm just going to sip on my tie on the beach. I think it's a fun thing to say, Brian Kelly, he's got to oh, okay. be, he's got to get out of here before that Ohio state game. He made a promise to everybody. <laughs> he was going to be relaxing with the greater life <laughs> at that point. So well, I think Joey Tenone is a, I think he's a big time recruit. I think he's a big time offensive lineman. He played, he's a right tackle or a guard. He he's played left tackle. He's not a left tackle on the next level, but right I'm tackle or guard. And I think he's elite. Just the way Notre Dame, like he can be elite, but just the way Notre Dame recruits, like Josh Lug was the 128th best player in the country. Zeke, he didn't get to play until there was an injury his junior year. You know? Right. Uh, oh yeah, no doubt. No, Zeke Carell's 95th. He's not playing this year ahead of these the starters. You know, it's just it's tough to break in it, at that spot at Notre Dame. You got to develop, and then you get to well, play. Well, yeah, and he's yeah. going to have to get past. <laughs> Two really, really good guards. Tosh Baker probably plays on the left side. Yeah. Tanona yeah. won't, but he's good. I thought Nickel was I thought Nickel was a bit of a a, a stretch uh at, at this time as a twenty twenty two tight end. I, I don't I don't know how high his ceiling is. I think he's a solid football player, but his ceiling at tight end I don't think is as high as Tanona is on the offensive line. I'm sure they're going to keep bringing in two tight ends because the logical guess is Michael Mayer will not be around for a fifth year and you chance him not being around for a senior year like Cole Komet. Very good, very yeah. good chance that he isn't yeah. around yeah. Uh, beyond three years. Capuno Joe, will the media have the same access to preseason practices as in the past? I don't think no. there's any chance of that. No, no there's not a chance of there's that. He'd no. be in the same room as Brian Kelly for another six to nine months. No, no. I agree. Or any of the players will be Zooming would, on Tuesday nights. Yeah, Tim and I were, were again, talking before we were recording about, um, you know, we could go to practice and safely distance ourselves, but they're not going to allow it. And, and I, I don't blame them. At, I, don't I don't blame, blame them at all. If it's in the stadium, I, I think we'll be in there. That would be great. That would be great. That's um, something that's being discussed now. Not a super high priority. <laughs> it's not really. But <laughs> I floated that idea to Notre Dame and like, yeah, I think that's something we can work out. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we get that. There's a, there's an irony to not being a Culver. That is the biggest bleacher in the world. We can all social distance and become nowhere near that team and that coach if they just were practicing at Culver <laughs> tomorrow like they would be doing in a regular world. We'd be all going to Culver tomorrow. Culver is, I mean, that's off the board, right? I really wish I was going to oh, Culver. Yeah. Yeah, that's- <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't heard anybody say anything about that, but that's got to be off the board, you know. I'm going to miss driving to Culver more than I ever thought I would. And even if we're allowed in Notre Dame Stadium, I mean, normally we get like four or five preseason practices. There aren't going to be four or five of those open practices in Notre Dame Stadium. Maybe one, maybe two. I will, At least one, maybe two. Two practices in the stadium, I'd be like, great. Thank you. Yeah, just I let me see say- a little bit to have intelligently speak on things since the Citrus Bowl. Or what would they play in the Camping World Bowl? Citrus Bowl is when they were bet was was when it was a better world. Okay. Terry Benedict asks, 
Uh, the leading rushers in 2019 were Tony Jones Jr., Ian Book, and Braden Lenzig. List the leading rushers in 2020. My question for you guys, is Ian Book second again, or does he get pushed to third? I think he gets pushed to third. That's a good, on, that's a good thing, list. then. That's a good, yeah, that's a good sign, as long as he's healthy. Armstrong, Tyree, and Book. Book. And Lindsey. And Lindsey, probably Lindsey <laughs> fourth, probably, yeah. Yeah, you know, the Armstrong, I, I have to go with, we liked him so much a year ago before he got injured. I have backed him up by saying try walking to the mailbox when you have a, you know, torn abdominal muscle four weeks later, much less playing at Michigan. He looked, did not look anything like a running back at the end of last year, and I just don't think that's what he is. Otherwise, the coaches would not have put him in position to start. I just think it was injury. So I'm going to go Armstrong, Tyree, Book, Lindsey, Flemister. I think that would be a beautiful top five if uh, played out that way for Notre Dame. I think that would mean that the running game is working the way they intended to, the way they That's wanted to. That's why I threw Flemister in, in that he kind of makes him. Yep. You need another yeah. guy out there. And Kyron Williams been, catching the ball. Yeah. He scored five touchdowns last year. I mean, he's good around the goal line. We see in blue goal right. games, they give him the football on the goal line. They, they, they like him down there. So that would be, that would be a good order. Shamrock FL. Over under nine and a half wins with the new ACC schedule. I think we should beat everyone except Clemson, but North Carolina and Louisville are setting up to be dangerous opponents. Pittsburgh is always troublesome. So if I were a betting man, I think I'd take the under. Well, yeah. I mean, we're not including the, the conference championship game in that 9.5, no. right? No. Of course it's the – I mean, that, that's, a, that's a bad oh, line. Oh, God, yeah I, was, yeah. I was thinking uh, 12 games again, see? Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the over if they play 12 games and the conference championship game is against Navy or something like that. I just sort of look at as ACC regular season wins and they only play 10 games. Um, I would still bet the under. I I don't know how you guys feel about it, but this is it's such a weird set of circumstances. To me, it's ACC championship game appearance or bust. Like Notre Dame's never really had that um, since I've been covering them where you felt like, Either they made, were going to make the playoff or the season was a disappointment. The playoff was always sort of an aspirational goal. And if you didn't make it, that you know, was a bummer. But it wasn't like you felt like the season was, was lost. This, you, you got to be in Charlotte in December for this season to be considered a success, in my opinion. A success, for sure. Um, so here's the teams that could bite Notre Dame. Now, they haven't been – Brian Kelly's done a heck of a job of avoiding getting bitten, you know, <laughs> recently. Because, I mean, Michigan and Georgia were – yeah. Talk about a lower opponent. Um, it's been a couple of years. These teams can get Notre Dame, North Carolina, Louisville, Pitt, and Florida State. Uh, if they lose to two of them, it would be a very disappointing season. You lose to one of them and Clemson, but you get to the ACC championship game. I think people can live with that, right? A great ACC championship game effort by Notre Dame. We're acting like that if Notre Dame loses two games, they're not going to the ACC championship going, uh, game. What, point. It was North that's Carolina and Louisville. I mean, right. where are these teams? No, that's this good isn't, point. You know, I mean, North Car- yeah, if if Louisville beats Notre Dame or North Carolina beats Notre Dame, neither one of those teams are going nine and two. No. This is to quote, is it Bill Polian? Who the hell is Mel Kiper Jr.? Who the hell is Louisville in North Carolina right now? I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> this is like, they're going to lose games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess my, you know, Miami. I who who's Miami? Miami's not not losing a game this year. No, but I think I think virtually everybody is underestimating Florida State. Yes, but they still won't go nine. No, I agree. No, I'm not. not, not, I'm talking about 
the ability to beat Notre Dame, not being, oh yeah, they're in you know, not go, not playing in the ACC championship. They're in my four to beat Notre, that could beat Notre Dame. Those are the four I think. Yeah. If you lose to the other teams, it's your own fault. It's a coaching staff issue or or a COVID issue where being book doesn't play. But uh, all things being equal, play out the season. You shouldn't lose to anybody but North Carolina, Louisville, Pitt, Florida State, right? If you're going to get upset by one of them. Right. And Florida State's, yes. No, I agree with you. And Florida State's offense is going to take a big jump up. They're going to be a much more consistent offense under Norville. And Clemson. If I didn't mention Clemson, I think they could possibly lose to Clemson. If, uh, I wasn't yes, they could possibly yes. lose to Clemson. <laughs> okay, last question here for today. P.G. Duman. When will you have a podcast? Have we asked this before? Did I ask yeah. this before? I think he I think he sent the question before yeah, and I didn't yeah. use it. When will you have a podcast which doesn't mention anything related to a pandemic? <laughs> uh, Sooner the better, man. May, not in this count, not in it, not in 2020. I don't think in this academic year we'll have one. Um, no, because we'll be thankful that we're not talking about it. We'll still talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be next summer before it's, it starts. It is no longer mentioned. I agree. Uh, we're talking next summer. And are you sure it'll no longer be mentioned next summer? Well, no. I mean, you still bring up Diaco, so I, I don't see why you would not mention COVID-19. <laughs> I was trying to come up with the – Pete stole it. I was trying to come up with a reference of who we bring up just for the heck of it in every podcast. So, yeah, COVID-19 is going to replace Diaco. 2023. You know, we did have a, I, I, I apologize. We did have a question about whether there's any schedule set for, <laughs> I, I, I presume it meant for us, like in terms of when does practice start? When's it? Do we, I mean, I, we don't know of, we don't, I don't know the schedule yet. Uh, I had talked to Notre Dame about that two days ago and there was an expectation, you know, probably Friday, Saturday, next week that we're about a week out. Um, from training camp started, I, I believe they're basically in a position where they can blow a whistle and be ready. Um, they're not going to Culver. There's not a lot of planning that goes into it. It's just do, we're going to do practices instead of workouts. Um, yeah, the 14th can, makes sense, right? 14th to the 12th. <laughs> if you just start doing math, that's kind of how you would be doing it for, uh, and you build in some some more time off than you normally would from August training camp too. Exactly. Okay, man. We have opponents. We have dates. Now we just need them to get start practicing next week, and we will. Uh, if if they'll let us be there, we'll be there. If not, we'll still have an opinion about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. We appreciate you joining Irish Ocean Insider. We'll talk to you next week.